morning, brothers and sisters. How are you? I'm going to bring this up here because I need it up here. I was going to make a joke right there, but I probably shouldn't. Um, love you, man. Sorry. Yeah. It's like a bird. Never mind. Um, so how do you respond to a guest speaker uh, when you, you, know, you just don't know how? So we're just going to do a little bit of training this morning, okay? And so, uh, because I love people helping me preach, and so when, when, when you hear, like, something good from God, you say, amen, right? And so God is good. Amen. amen. All right. And so when you hear something convicting of God, you say, help me, Lord. <laughs> You're like, man, I need you, Lord, right? So help me, Lord. When you hear good revelation from God, you say, yes, Lord. All right. And when you need hope from God, we say, come, Jesus. Amen? So open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3, now that you know how to respond to Pastor Mike. <laughs> yes. I pray that you will hear the words of our Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. Jonah began to go to, into the city, going all, a, a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Pray with me. Father in heaven, your word is powerful. It is life-changing. It is convicting, and it is hopeful. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will take your words today and that, God, that you would uh, speak them loudly to your people. May what they need to hear today, they hear clearly. And may it be not just for information, Lord, but for transformation. Let us leave here differently because we met with you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So it's stories like Jonah that, has helped, that helped me early on in my walk to really believe that the gospel is true. If I was going to write this uh, story, it would never end up that this way. It would never end up. I would, be that, I would be just like Jonah. I would be that person who is scorned and just this nationalistic pride rising up in me. And I would totally not go do, I, I would be right there in the boat with Jonah. Heading headlong in the direction that God said not to go. It, but this is not my story, it's actually God's story. And it's God's story about a reluctant missionary. Up until this point, the story has been developing well. I trust that uh, uh, you've, you guys are familiar with it from the first two sermons. If you've been here, you know the story begins with God's call to Jonah to go preach a message to, of repentance to the people in the great city of Nineveh. And now this, 
request and this call from God rocks Jonah's faith to the core. You see, the Ninevites were not only Israelites. They, at worst, they were sworn enemies of northern Israel. Jonah, Jonah, being from northern Israel, which borders Assyria, he would know firsthand the mayhem that, that Nineveh has caused and the destruction that Nineveh has caused in northern Israel. Think about it this way. Uh, uh, this would be like preaching. Preaching to the Ninevites would be like God asking a New Yorker who experienced 9-11 to go preach to Osama bin Laden's army, the, 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 the uh, Al-Qaeda army. It would be just like that. Could you imagine God calling somebody who witnessed the Twin Towers falling and the planes going in there and the Twin Towers falling to go to, go to, to the Middle East and to preach repentance? There's no way. There is absolutely no way, right? And this is the same kind of situation that Jonah is in. That, that Nineveh, the city of Nineveh, wreaked havoc upon this, uh, on northern Israel. And, and here you can sense uh, the reason why Jonah split. Because Jonah only knew God to be graceful and merciful. In his experiences, he knew, he's like, in Jonah's experiences, in his past, he only knew God to, to be, give grace to undeserving people. And there's no one more than Nineveh in, in Jonah's eyes that is more undeserving of God's grace than these people. They were evil and they wreaked havoc upon their nation. Have you ever experienced this in your own life, that something so devastating has happened to you from, from someone else? And someone has done something to you or to your family or to somebody who's close to you, and you know God is telling you forgive them. You know that God is telling you to give them grace. And you're like, no way, Lord. They do not deserve grace. They deserve punishment. They deserve wrath. I told this story a couple times. It's uh, when I ordained within the RCA and became a commissioned pastor, uh, the first thing I did is I, I, I re rewarded myself with the first generation iPad. 64 gigabytes. It cost me like $900. And my wife, me and my wife, uh, yeah, we're still in counseling over that purchase. <laughs> <laughs> But I rewarded myself with this iPad, and I was not a techie at the time, right? And, and so I was really into this, and I had it for the first night, and, and uh, the kids were really excited about having it too. And so I remember the next day, I actually had went to a conference with Pastor Jeff and Vinny and with all of our colleagues. And I get to the uh, uh, place, and I'm proud. I have my, I'm just a brand new commissioned pastor, and, and I have my shiny new iPad, and I open it up, and I'll try to keep this as PG as possible, but it was not very good what, was, what popped up on the screen. <laughs> and it was full blast. The volume was up high. And I was humiliated. Immediately, the blood rushed to my head and then to my feet, and then I ran with my iPad because I could not figure out how to turn my iPad off. <laughs> and I'm finding myself in the bathroom trying to figure this out. I finally get it off, but I know who had my iPad that evening. And boy, was I plotting his death. <laughs> he had judgment coming. He deserved wrath. And I headed straight home with the intent to give my son wrath. I make it home, and I find myself halfway up the stairs, and literally, God stopped me in my tracks. And he says, you give that boy grace. 
And I'm arguing with God, and I said, no, God, he does not deserve grace. He deserves punishment, and I'm going to give it to him. No, you give him grace. And I said, no, Lord. And he goes, I give you grace. You too struggled in that area in your life sexually. And you, this boy does not, does, does not need wrath right now. He needs to know that there is grace for his mistakes. I was ready to abandon my faith and give my son what he deserved. Have you ever felt that way? Jonah felt that way. You're not alone if you felt that way. It's okay to feel that way, but it's not okay to stay there. Jonah felt that way. Shortly after this, instead of going and doing what God had told him, he rebelled and took off in the opposite direction. You guys know the story. Shortly after that, God in his grace pursues him in the form of a deadly storm. Jonah begins to experience the wrath of God because of his disobedience and his rebellion. He gets thrown overboard into the Mediterranean Sea, he, and then he begins to drown. And it was in the depths of the waters that Jonah begins to understand that he is suffering from the consequences of his sins. I often think about that day. Had I given what my son deserved, what our relationship would be like. I'll tell you this. It began something in our home that, that God had blessed. Our home became a safe place to fail. Our home became a safe place to confess. Our home became a safe place to seek God's forgiveness and his restoration in our home. When we don't do what God is calling us to do, we'll never experience the, 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 the fullness of the grace that God has for us. It was in the belly of this fish. It was on the staircase of my home. It was in the belly of this fish that Jonah repents and declares, but I, with shouts of great praise, will sacrifice to you. And I, will, I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Son, salvation comes from the Lord. Redemption from this sin comes not from the wrath of Mike, of your father, but salvation comes from the Lord. See, I think some of us need to hear this today. That it is not the cross of Jesus Christ plus your wrath being satisfied equals redemption, salvation and redemption for the people around us. Your anger does not need to be satisfied. All of God's anger, all of God's wrath was poured out upon Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I thought I taught you well. Maybe you need to say, help me, Lord. I know I need to say, help me, Lord. Because I, I, I know this, but sometimes I don't believe this. Because I still want my redemption. I still want my wrath, and I still want to go in the direction that God does not want me to go. But it was in the depths of the belly of, the of this fish that he is finally understanding that he is there because of the consequences of his own rebellion. And, in, and then in a, a dramatic turn of events, God in his grace and mercy sends this great fish to save Nova. And, uh, uh, Nova, that's my granddaughter. Uh, Jonah. 
And this is when he makes this confession. You see, there's two ways out of that fish. That was funny. There was two ways out of that fish. (laughs) There was digestion and death or salvation. There was confession, repentance, and faith that leads to salvation. Salvation, and, And Jonah chose wisely. And by a miracle of God's grace, he finds himself alive on a beach three days later. And Jonah now serves as an emblem of of a resurrected life that comes from the gracious gift of God. Jonah is a trophy of God's amazing and far-reaching grace. Like God is willing to go down into the depths of our sin and, and and the consequences of our sin to meet us right there. This is my story. For many years, I led a path of destruction, heading headlong into, into the direction of hell and hate. Uh, I spent most of the, month, the 90s uh, addicted to methamphetamines and, and pulling off crimes and doing crazy things. And God allowed me to go through the consequences of my sins. In 1997, I found myself in jail. And it was in jail that I had the epiphany. This isn't working out for me. This is not a a, a good future for me. God allowed Jonah to go through the consequences of his sin, and that's where he met Jonah. Some of you have, or, or maybe it's you. Maybe it's personally you, and you need to respond, help me, Lord. But maybe you're like right there in the, just wallowing in the consequences of your sin. Like you're right there. Like, man, you've, you've made so many mistakes that, that you, you're financially upside down. You, you're, you're constantly in the muck and the mire of your decisions, and you're just right there. God wants to meet you right there. Maybe there is people in your life where you're going, man, they are just heading headlong into hell, and they don't actually even know what they're going and where they're going and why they're going there. And when they get there, they're going to have to suffer the consequences of their sin. God's with them. That's where God meets people. That's where God does his finest work, right here in the belly of the fish, as as they're heading down and drowning and going, what's going on? And what's happening with my life? And that's where God meets them. The belly of the fish for me was in jail. And I made a decision right then and there. I am not heading down this direction anymore. Perhaps it's your friends or your family members or the people in your circle of influence that are heading headlong into a direction that you know is not good. Have you ever thought about praying for justice for them? I've got a drug dealer that I, I pray for. He sits right outside my window. And he, I think he's a spotter. He, I don't see anybody stopping him, but he's like kind of a guard. And there's another one on the other end of the street right down on my, on my, at my church. And I pray, God, save them or give them what they deserve. Let them suffer the consequences of their sin to bring them to the point where they know they need you. They know they need you. God, I just, I, I, I've made such a mess of my life, and I need you. Trust that God is able to reach the people right where they are and pray for justice and mercy. God found me in the middle of my sin and rebellion, and my guess from one degree or another, that's your story too. You don't have this in your slide, but the Bible says this in Isaiah 53, 6, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. 
We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Each of us. No one's exempt. From one degree or another, maybe you didn't land in jail, but you know that you've suffered from the consequences of your own sin, and God is allowing you to be in that space and suffer the consequences so that you know you need a Savior. That you know you need him. And like Jonah, the call for you is to repent and confess that I'll do what you call me to do, Lord. I know I've made a mess of things, but I also know you to be gracious. And thank you, God, that you didn't digest me and and the judgment leads to death, but you've spat me up on the beach and I'm alive. Where's your beach story? What beach did God send you out on? What, what consequences has he forgiven you and saved you from? And then now you're here and you're like, you're like, I'm alive in Christ. Oh, God, you're so merciful and graceful. You didn't give me what I deserved. You gave me grace. This leads me to the first point I want to make today, that every Christian serves as an emblem of the resurrected life that comes as a gracious gift of God. We, say we, are a trophy of God's amazing and far-reaching grace. Let's pick up the story in Jonah now, chapter 3, verse 1. And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. God calling Jonah to go a second time to go to Nineveh tells us a lot about God's grace. Again, he, he did not leave, let Jonah perish in his sin, that he is a God of second chances. He is a God of third chances. The New Testament says he's a God of 77 chances. Look at what Peter, Peter came up to Jesus and asked him. He says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus says to him, said to him, I, don't, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. You see, what Jesus was saying here is that there's always more grace. There's always more opportunity to forgive. There's always another chance. One scholar said this. He says, God forgets and never holds anything against you. Somebody say amen. amen. Think of how wonderful are the implications of that fat, one fact in your life. God simply does not hold grudges against people who humble themselves and ask his forgiveness through Christ Jesus. There's people in this room today that have come here throughout the week and they have just been in the guilt and the shame and the muck and the mire of their consequences. But the moment you put your faith in Jesus, God says, I have sent your sin as far as the east is to the west. I don't see it. You're forgiven. You're accepted. And yet we are constantly looking at ourselves in the mirror ashamed, guilty. And here, God says, no, I forget everything because what I have done is I have have transferred that to Jesus. He has become your substitute. He has taken your guilt. He has taken your shame. And no more guilt and shame is necessary. No more punishment is necessary to redeem you of all those sins. Can you just run to him now in the safety of his arms? Run to the grace of God knowing that you're accepted? Instead of walking around with your head down? Wondering if God doesn't like you anymore. God likes you. He loves you. 
He has demonstrated his love for you by sending Christ Jesus to die for you. How much more does he need to show you? Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. God's second chance has also meant that he still wanted Jonah to accomplish his mission in Nineveh. This is important because... It's so important because Jonah's deliverance from the belly of the fish was not a way out of God's calling for his life. You see, I think we love to have the forgiveness and the grace of God, but not the call. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We love Jesus from below, the the liberating Jesus, the Jesus that takes all of my sins away. Freedom is found in Jesus, but the call of Jesus to take up my cross and follow him. We love Jesus as Savior, but when it comes to Jesus as Lord, uh uh-uh. No, thank you, Jesus. I want want my cake, and I want my life, too. Oh, God has such a bigger plan than you do. God has such a better life than you could even imagine and plan for yourself. It's an abundant life, the Bible says, a life that is more abundant Could you actually take your plans, put them up on the whiteboard, and go, abundant life? (laughs) Abundant life. Everybody, you would want this. Would Would anybody, would anybody want your life? Whew. Abundant life is what Jesus offers, and yet we settle. We settle for this human life. It is important to know because Jonah's deliverance from the belly of the well was not his way out of God's calling. God still expected Jonah to preach to the people in Nineveh. God's, uh, Jonah's salvation included restoration to his calling. And consider the magnitude of God's amazing grace here. Not only does God uh, forgive Jonah for his sin, but he restores him to that. Now, now someone needs to hear that here too. Because you've taken, your life has taken, you've taken your life into a direction that you are completely ashamed of. And you're like, no, I can never serve God in another way. Maybe, maybe you've, you've committed adultery with your spouse, and you were, you were an elder in the church, or you were a prophet, or you were a pastor, or you were somebody of some significance in the church, or maybe you were just a member of this church, and then you crossed that line. There's restoration for you. There's grace and there's a path of restoration for you. It's going to take some work. Jonah had to suffer the belly of a fish. That wasn't easy. I mean, dude was looking like this. He's like, it's that way or God this way. I don't want to go that way, Lord. That way is going to lead to death. I will do the hard work. You know what the hard work was? Getting on his knees repenting of his sin, confessing, God, you're right, and I'm wrong, and I'm going to go your way. Three days later, he's on a beach. God wants to restore your life that has been lost as a result of sin and rebellion. And when we receive the forgiveness, and then we don't do what he called us to do, we put ourselves back on the path of rebellion. God's desire for us is to experience the fullness of his grace, and we sell ourselves short when we don't get on the path that he has for us. 
His grace moves us beyond forgiveness to a life of obedience, a life of the truest blessing and joy, a life of the truest meaning and purpose, the abundant life. God not only forgives Jonah, but he calls him back to Nineveh to call out against it. Look at verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. We should not underestimate what this meant to go to Nineveh. Jonah was about to make a three-day journey into the heart of the most violent empire of his day. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? Like Everybody just calls you right now to the most violent place in the world. And this is where he's calling you. And you're walking three days' journey into this place. What is the most violent empire of our day? Can you imagine bullets flying over our heads? Bombs going off. It's happening right now in the Middle East. What if God called you right there? I mean, we can't underestimate this. But see, Jonah did this in faith. Jonah did not go there like like thinking that it it was going to be easy. He went there in faith. It was the faith that he learned and had the confidence in when he was in the depths of the ocean and saved from that. It was the faith that, he had, that God was building up in him when, when he was spit out and saved from the belly of the fish. This gave Jonah the confidence to go into Nineveh and preach. We too have been miraculously saved by Jesus. If you're a Christian, every Christian has been saved from the consequences of their own sin and rebellion, which would lead to death and judgment. But like Jonah... When we put our faith in Jesus, he saves us and raises us to a new life. And this is an absolute miracle, and it's meant to build your faith. There's nothing that you did to obtain your salvation. It was a miracle. Do you see yourselves as miracles walking around? If you're a Christian, you are a miracle. You're an absolute miracle that that God has healed you and saved you and redeemed you. and, And this is what he has done. Like the Holy Spirit has convicted your heart, God himself has convicted your heart and did a miracle in your heart. I think that this, do you see yourself as a miracle of God's grace? And if you don't, I I think that this is probably one of the biggest problems in the church today and the reason why we're not growing as we should. Because we don't see ourselves as miracles of God's grace. We don't see ourselves as as God's, just God did a miracle in my own heart by even saving me. Like it was his amazing grace. It's his far-reaching grace. Jesus said that we are to be salt and light. Are we the salt of the earth? Are we the light in the world? When we see ourselves as walking miracles, we'll be a little more salty. We'll be a lot more light. Jesus says this. He says, you are salt and light. You are the salt and light of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You, however, are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Do you see yourselves as light? Do you see yourselves as salt? Do you see yourselves as a miracle of God's grace and mercy? Do you see that you are? 
I just want to reaffirm that in you. You are a miracle of God's grace. And that therefore, go be salt and light and let God be glorified in your good works in heaven. Amen. <laughs> yes, Lord. Help me, Lord. All of them. Right? What is God calling you to do? And where is he calling you to go? It could be a simple nudging of the Holy Spirit just calling you to take a different direction in life. It could be the heavy hand of God calling you to make some big changes, big or small. What is God calling you to do? And, and, and what, is he, what, what can you do today, today, to take that first step of faith in the direction that he's calling you to go? Maybe it's get involved in a ministry or, or going on a mission trip, or, or maybe it's a big one. Like, I'm just going to, God's calling me to, to pursue ministry as a full-time thing, or to do, go here, or to move here, or do that. What is he calling you to do? You are a miracle and a trophy of God's amazing and far-reaching grace. You can go with that confidence and be salt and light to the world. Jonah goes into, into Nineveh, into one of the most radical, wicked cities in the, in the world in his time, and he preached one of the most powerful sermons of his life. Look at verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I'm out. <laughs> Peace. That's it. Man, I prepared eight hours for this sermon. And Duke comes in and busts out eight words. And look at the results. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them, the most heathenistic city in the world, the most violent city in the world. Now they're repenting and saying, I need to fast. I don't need anything anymore. I just need God. I need his salvation. I'm going to believe in God, and now I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond by saying, I don't want to live a heathen uh, a hedonistic lifestyle. I'm not going to be violent anymore. Actually, I'm going to fast everybody from the greatest to the least of them. Can you believe that? Do we believe that God is that powerful to save and to do mighty works like this anymore? The, it was just so crazy. Like, this message uh, preaches, that he preaches, is not very graceful at all. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like, hey, God's going to smite you in 40 days. You're just going to be all gone. Peace. You know, you know like, Later. I'm just like, you know, we get, we get emails. That wasn't very loving, Pastor Jeff. That wasn't very kind, Pastor Vinny. No, Vinny's always kind. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't very kind, Pastor Mike. You shouldn't have said that like that. Uh, well, if the shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> and if it's loose, tighten it up. And if God wants to speak to you a word of wrath, let me tell you something. It is because he wants to give you grace. God is not this like bully. He's not. He's not me like, I'm going to judge you. Peace. That's not God. God's like, judgment's coming. And I don't want you to suffer that. Repent. Repent. God's judgment, and when it comes to us, is always a means of grace however the message is delivered. How you receive it is the question. 
You can leave here mad thinking, no, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor Mike came in here, and he's just like, and, and, and now, well, God, you hate me. No, God doesn't hate you. God loves you. And the message of, of, of wrath and judgment is a message of grace every time you read it in the gospel. Because we know who our God is. We must rest on the character of our God who wishes that none would perish, but all would come to the knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. Jonah was obedient to share the message that God had for him, and it led to the most remarkable revival of his time. The whole city believed. When we think about the people in our circle of influence, do we expect to see God work, to work in such a mighty way? I think there's more doubters in here than believers. Do we walk in the confidence of knowing whether it's a, a message of wrath or a message of grace? I mean, some people get, get, come to the Lord uh, through the love of Jesus. I did. I mean, you didn't have to scare the hell out of me. I was heading headlong there and, and leading the way. Like, chonk, chonk, come on. <clears throat> you didn't have to scare the hell out of me. I needed to know that I was loved. I looked, I knew who I was in the mirror. I knew the destruction that I, and the path that I had laid. What I really needed to embrace that there was a God who loved me in spite of all that. There was a God who, who loved me unconditionally. And, and trust me, even, even be doing what I'm doing today and still doing, I still struggle with, with God's acceptance and love for me. Because I know who I am. A wretched sinner in need of God's grace. And the more and more I uh, get with Jesus, the more and more I feel more accepted. But do you believe that the people in your circle of influence, that God can move this powerfully in their life? We have everything we need. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the good news that Jesus loves sinners, that God loves sinners, that, 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 Jesus, that Jesus was sent on our behalf. We have the gospel. And he was sent here to live an obedient life on our behalf. He was sent here to die a sacrificial death for us, to take our guilt and our death that was owed for sin. And then he rose again three days later, conquering Satan's sin and death. And now he's offering us this same new resurrected life. We have the gospel. We have the power. We, God has given us his Holy Spirit to convict the world of their sin to convict the people in your circle of influence of their sin. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the fruit of the Spirit that, that produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And these things are, are to be a witness. So these are characteristics of Christ. And these are to be a witness to the world. We have it. When we have the church, we have the community, we have the body of Christ, we have each other. What are we waiting for? Do you believe that, that God's plan, the gospel, the power, the fruit, the church, is it enough? It's absolutely enough. It's his plan to redeem the world. And yet we're walking around here with churches empty. Not so much. You're doing good, Jeff. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but let me tell you, this is not the common story in our culture. There is a church on every corner in L.A. County. They're just not all worshiping God. They're not all making an impact in the gospel. Are we? 
do we believe that God is powerful enough to, to send a revival, to, the, the same type of revival that was happening in Nineveh to our cities, to our communities? It's going to start here. A revival in your heart where you are not doubters, that you are believers. That you are pressing in. That you are getting closer. And this is where I think the remedy is this. Is that we... I'm going to pass up that one. Everybody knows Matthew 28, 19. We, we know what we need to do. Jesus said this. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. If you're running on empty or you don't think that the people around you can get saved, uh, maybe it's because you have nothing to pour out. If you're running on empty, maybe it's because you have nothing to pour out, that you haven't been abiding in Jesus. When's the last time you just sat at the feet of Jesus and, and, and just like got to, to hang out with Jesus? And you uh, were, were understanding how, how awesome he is and how powerful he is and how graceful he is and how merciful he is and how kind he is and how loving he is towards you. And just get filled with the Spirit of God. Get filled with the presence of Jesus. Because I, I'm telling you this, if you, if you ain't got nothing to pour out, nobody's going to come. <laughs> we need to be abiding in Jesus. And then we can, when we do, it is he that bears much fruit. The more we abide in Christ, the more God-glorifying fruit we will produce. Jonah didn't produce any godly fruit when he was heading in the wrong direction. But the moment he repented of his sin... And did what God obeyed him to, you know, called him to do in obedience, the whole city came to faith. God has given us everything we need to reach our city, reach our community. He's done everything he needs to reach you. I should probably back that up. He's done everything he needs to do to reach you. And he's done everything to reach the people in our circle of influence. We have the gospel, we have the power, we have the fruit of the Spirit. And we have the church. Jonah didn't produce any fruit when he was running from God, but in his obedience, Jonah preached a message of judgment and salvation to the entire city of Nineveh. They believed God, they repented of their sin, and they were saved. Jesus preached the same message of judgment and salvation. He said this in John chapter 3. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever believes, or whoever does not believe in him is condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus preached wrath, condemnation, right here in John chapter 3. Every time God sends a message of judgment, it is a message of grace. He sends it because his desire is to save that person or that community. Nineveh had 40 days to respond. They responded immediately. I love that. I'm an immediate guy. I love it. I believe that God works immediately. Right here we see it. They responded immediately. Their response was, I repent. I'm going to call for a fast. Everybody's going to do it. Do we expect immediate results in the church today? Do we, respect, do we expect immediate results in our own lives today? I'm kind of working backwards. Do we expect immediate results in our own life today? 
If we do and we experience that, we will expect immediate results in the church. Today, God has given everyone the opportunity to escape the judgment by placing their faith in Jesus. Jesus has come in in the power of his life, death, and resurrection. And if you place your faith in Jesus in the finished work of the cross and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you will be saved. The Bible doesn't say you might be saved or could be saved, that you will be saved. The moment a person places their faith in Jesus, you are saved, and the Holy Spirit will take, take residence in your heart and, and, and empower you to live the, a new life in Christ, a life of meaning and purpose where you can be used by God to carry his message to others. Again, there's two ways out of the fish. There was judgment or death or a miracle of God's saving grace, and this is the true story of every human being that is walking the earth. This is your story. This is my story. That there is either judgment or grace for every single one of us. And if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, don't wait another minute to do it. Wholeheartedly. Don't wait another minute to put your faith in Jesus. Be like the people of Nineveh and respond immediately. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. Don't wait another day. Respond immediately. For those of us have, who have placed our faith in Jesus but have not been following him closely, have been living a life of rebellion, heading headlong into directions that he knows that you know that God would not have you go, or worse, that you've just turned your back on God completely. And you're suffering in the consequences of your own sin. The cross is your way back to the grace of God is your way back. The cross of our Lord Jesus guarantees that even your darkest moment, God will never turn away from you. In the depths of your sin, God will never turn away from you. There's no rebellion, no weakness, no foolishness, no evil of heart that the cross cannot defeat and, the grace, and his grace cannot transform. Amen. Come back to Jesus. Recommit your life to Christ today. Respond immediately. The Bible says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God saved Jonah after he confessed his, his faith in prayer. And I want to lead you into a similar confession. Whether you are doing this for the first time or recommitting your life to Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me and we will close. Everybody bow their heads. Father, search our heart right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for making me and loving me. Even when I have ignored you and gone my own way, Jesus, I confess that you are Lord and that God, you raised him from the dead. I realize you did this because it was the only way that I could ever be forgiven and have you back in my life. Collectively, Lord, we confess that we are sorry for our sin and rebellion. Please forgive us all. Thank you for dying upon the cross, for taking my punishment and my sins. Please help us all understand this more. And as much as we know how, help us follow you from now on, Lord Jesus. Please come into my life, fill me with your spirit, and help us all grow as Christians. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.